Yo, this is Jesse Blaze, and you're listening to the Plug Podcast. All right, as you just heard, this is the Plug Podcast. I have your host, Bushy, uh, Nate Atchison, and I am honored, thrilled, excited to have with me Mr. Jesse Blaze. How are you doing today, sir? Ah, I'm doing really good. I just uh, got uh, done doing a whole bunch of little creative work, and I'm happy with myself. So, <laughs> so now I'm uh, get to do an interview, and I like doing this kind of stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to chat with you, man. Well, that's outstanding. And uh, uh, like I said before we started recording, I definitely appreciate you um, taking the time. It's interesting because your dad, and uh, for those of you out there that don't know, and how you don't know is beyond me, uh, but his dad is Dee Snyder, frontman for uh, Twisted Sister. He had shared a, a, a link to uh, new music you have out. And you know, yeah, he, he's such a mensch. <laughs> I, I didn't, exp- I, I didn't ask him to or anything. And uh, like, I went away from my computer for the day or whatever. When I came back, I was blowing up on Twitter. I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> and, uh, and my dad, like, not only did he like post something to like recommend my music, but he challenged everybody to basically not think it was great <laughs> I, 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 I extra appreciate it well i gotta say um i i hadn't heard i don't want to say eddie but i hadn't heard much of your music i didn't realize you were as active as you are which is why i'm so happy you agreed to do this and uh, i'm a man of my word i went and grabbed everything that was available on itunes um there's not a lot there but i can tell you what i purchased because um, that's what I do. I, I, I support musicians, whether they're, um, you know, big time or small time. I don't believe in that uh, steal a music thing. But I went and grabbed 16 Blacklight District Loved Once, which is the new one. That's the latest one. Is that correct? Um, well, almost, that's the link you gave. Music, yes. All my music used to be uh, up on, um, uh, you know, in, in a few different platforms. I forget what company I was using, but uh, I didn't. Uh, like them, you know. I've, I've tried to maintain my an, re, retain my anonymity over the years, um, you know. And I, I was largely in the background making my music because I thought, you know, it was a good way to make money and be able to do what I loved. Um, but then I started to see like Louis C.K. and Kevin Hart and stuff, and I was like, you know, these comedians can figure out how to monetize what they do in a good way and create community. I'm like, I can do that too. So uh, you know now. I refocused and the fact that all my old music was not available online was starting to stick in my craw. And I made a new record that's coming out May 1st uh, with one of my best friends, Michael Naranjo, and we produced it over the internet. Uh, He's in South Africa. When we first started working together, he was in South America. And um, it's called Come With Me If You Want to Live. And I said, well, I'll promote the record by seeding it by putting all my material back out because there was like three songs that were available as Jesse Blaze Snyder. And you got to type in Jesse Blaze so you can get to my full catalog. But um, I, my old band, Baptized by Fire, we released the 13th anniversary um, thing with 13 tracks and then another eight tracks associated with my band Blazed. And um, seven of them have the playing of Crystalline, my drummer who passed away when I was, uh, how old was I? 20, oh, well, just before I turned 21. 
Um, and he was my best friend and he died. And at the time I I never released any of these demos and I wish I had, I wish I had just like done this, but I didn't even know they existed. His father spent a bunch of, um, uh, a bunch of months, uh, mastering it all. And I only just found out about it like a week before I released that record, which was just a month ago. Um, and I was able to slip them on. Uh, which is so cool. I was so glad to just have Chris's playing in the world and, you know, associated with my stuff. So I released everything through an artist group. So my old band and other little projects that I've done, it's all been released as Jesse Blaze, even though they're each their own little art project. Blacklight District was meant to be a little cool art project. So was The Slip. And then Baptized by Fire was its own band. But this way, everybody can find the stuff. You know, it's all my, you know, lyrics and melodies and, uh, you know, co-writing. And, uh, you know, there's five right now. And on May 1st, that'll be my sixth record, Come With Me If You Want to Live. And that's that's the best stuff I've done to date. Well, I'll definitely look forward to that. Um, a lot, actually, because I had limited time to listen to everything. I, I've been through Loved once. Uh, God, six or seven times. And it struck me <laughs> as how pop punk it was. Yeah. And, and I love that, actually. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the Offspring is one of my favorite bands from back in the 90s. Oh, me too, man. Oh, I love The Offspring. Offspring is my, my favorite band is Rage Against the Machine. But then it's like a two-tier thing between Offspring and Marilyn Manson. There, I, I, I love those two bands for very different reasons uh, intellectually. And I, I Boy, love those the are just two different worlds, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I love. Yeah, them. but they both Dexter Holland and um, Marilyn, they both have the lyrical intellect. They're going about it in different ways. Um, you know, they the, the punk rockers are saying lots of relatively stupid things in order to point out the idiocy inherent in society and Manson saying a lot of really pointed things in order to point out the terribleness in society. But they're both very smart lyricists uh, who are using their genre to kind of mess with the the game, I, I think. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and just for the record, I think Mechanical Albums is one of the greatest albums ever created. Me too. You know, lyrically, oh, yeah, it's just... Got similar taste. Oh, it, it's ridiculous lyrically. I think Coma White... And it could be because, um, you know, my daughter's mother. I'm a single dad in the uh, truest sense of the word. I have custody of my daughter. I've had her since second grade because her her mother's an addict. And I actually just got out of prison last August. So Coma White speaks to me in a way that it may not speak to everybody, but I'm sure it speaks to millions of people in this country. I think think Vance is brilliant. Um, He really is. I mean, I just keep hearing in my head. This isn't music, and we're not a band. We're five middle fingers on a motherfucking hand. Love Hell that yeah. line. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so brilliant. No, that's that's awesome. So I so I did get everything. I got that Phoenix thirteenth anniversary album. I got the slip love songs from a serial killer. Good. I'm glad I got everything. Um, the Phoenix stuff. I really enjoyed that. That was uh, a, a witch band. Uh, Baptized by Fire was the band that, uh, after my drummer died, uh, Chris, uh, it was weird. I was like on the way up kind of thing. I I had this band. I had somebody behind me, my drummer. We were doing great. We we were like, you know, doing independent films and like, you know, showing up places or whatever. Uh, You know, Fox and Toyota were using one of our songs and uh, for their commercials. Um, And uh, it was all good. And uh, then Chris died. 
Um, and I, oh, and oh, sorry. And I also was hired as a VJ for MTV. So all of a sudden I had a lot of visibility. And then when, when my friend died, I just didn't know what to do. And ultimately what happened was I, he and I had planned to be rock stars together. And when he died, I felt so guilty. I felt like I, I couldn't do it without him. Like I wasn't supposed to do it without him. I was supposed to do it with him. And he wasn't with me anymore. And I was just like paralyzed for a second with what to do. But ultimately, I eventually uh, got together with some guys. Uh, Mark Weiss helped me get my drummer, uh, Benjamin Clapp, who's brilliant. And uh, I don't remember, maybe maybe Ben helped me get Danny Wacker, my guitar player, who's another brilliant guy. And then my uh, eventual manager, uh, Stephanie Fink, helped me get Dan Carlisle. And uh, I just loved all those guys. And once I had them, I was like, all right, well, this isn't Blazed anymore, which was the name of the, the band uh, you know, that I formed with Chris. Um, what should we call it? And, you know, considering everything, I was just kind of, there was just various versions of the Phoenix that I wanted to call it. And ultimately I settled, uh, you know, on with the band of baptized by fire. And, uh, I'm really glad that I did too, because I changed the meaning of the word baptized when people would come up to us and they'd be like, what's going on with baptized? Um, it, you know, like you'd never heard anybody say baptized like that before. And I love that. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I, I, I like to play on words. I, I had cheesy band names. I did the band thing for a while. I had rock and roll dreams myself. Uh, yeah. Having a daughter killed that <laughs> for <Yeah>. me. <laughs> yeah. uh, just because her mom got sick of me being at bars every week. And I was having a blast, but she was home with baby. But uh, yeah. I mean, my band names were Sweet Jesus because and that got, a, got us a lot of flack. But uh, it was just because that's what our singer said all the time. Every time something would happen, sweet Jesus. And none of us were religious at all. It was just something he said. <laughs> it's it's uh, just that, that, but that's right. You know, when you can do that stuff. And that's the stuff that changes the shape of the language and changes the communication and demonstrates, you know, how easy it is to misunderstand. And, and I love that. There's, there's so much value in a name like that with a, you know, with a delivery that's not sweet Jesus. Right. You're welcome to use that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell yeah. I'll use that. In a, I'll use that in a story sometime. I think that's a great band name. That'll be great. Welcome to the stage. Sweet Jesus! <laughs> exclamation point. Yes, Always sir. has to be printed with an exclamation point, though. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? We, we, one band was called Fat Dog. And we stole that from a porno for obvious reasons. <laughs> and then uh, Bipolar. And that one we called that because we did everything from U2 to... Black Sabbath to uh, Bloodhound Gang. You know, we, we oh, all, that's fun. I love Bloodhound Gang. Before we did, uh, before we were called Blazed, and this is funny because you mentioned the pop punk thing. Um, the band was called uh, me and Crystalline. It was called Daisy Cutter, um, which was a which was a which was a bomb that that goes off like a foot above the ground, right. and also a slang term for going down on an underage girl. <laughs> Which we got like we got cold feet about that at the time, but that we should have fucking fucking owned that shit. That was Absolutely. great. <laughs> hell, we used to do about uh, chasing late at bars, and people couldn't believe what the hell we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> love that name. I, you know, I'm so band oriented, but uh, it became very difficult to um, maintain a band. And I, you know, I, 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 nowadays I would have done better, but at the time. I'm just not to say I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back and be like, I'm so giving. Uh, but I'll, let's say this. I'm not so taking so that the little bit of money that we would get, 
I would let it all go to them because I was making money in other places and, and various things. But ultimately, like having a band was just always kind of a drain on me to a certain degree um, uh, for like so many things. And I could produce things with so many people and just put music out behind the scenes, you know, in films and on commercials and whatnot, and make some money doing that, which I've had a lot of stuff on ESPN and Monday Night Football or NASCAR or whatever else. And, uh, you know, that was my approach. But really, my heart is in a band. So when you see Blacklight District, that was just me like, I'm pretending I have a band, you know, and then the slip. I'm like, ooh, if I had a band, you know, <laughs> and then whenever I get any of these things together, I just try to get together with musicians who I really like to hang out with and, um, you know, and, and play as many cool things as I can and, uh, you know, screw around with some covers and have a good time. That actually makes perfect sense to me. I don't know how much you follow uh, thrash metal, um, but I've got a, a a real good dear friend in Miami Beach. Uh, his name's Ralph Vieira. He goes under the stage name Doctor Fuck. Uh, he has a thrash <laughs> band called Thrash or Die, and he's the exact same yeah. way. You know, he was my age when he decided to put this band together, release his first album in 2011. Uh, you know, he's 55 or 56 now, and they're still you know, still working towards releasing their third album. Uh, his drummer actually just toured with Yngwie Malmsteen. So that's a, that's oh, a cool. level of talent he plays with. Uh, yeah, Brian Wilson. Yeah, Dan, like, guitar drummer. player from Baptized by Fire, that's that's uh, his hero, Yngwie. Oh, awesome, awesome. But, you know, this guy was the same way. He loves being in bands, but he's always out there doing his you know, solo stuff. He did some... Uh, you know, some Kiss cover songs, you know, change the lyrics, of course. You know, they call me Dr. Love, turned into they call me Dr. Fuck, and he changed the lyrics. But it's brilliant. You know, he doesn't get shit musicians. He gets guys that are on top of their game. But it's something he wants to do, but he also works for the city of Miami, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, you, there's, it's, it's, you, you end up doing so many things. And, I mean, for me, too, that's another part of it. It's kind of why, like, I don't ever have any tradition, um, traditional management. I mean, I have a little bit in the past, but I won't be, you know, moving forward. It's just because I do too many things, and I really kind of like them to cross over, and I like to mix up, you know, my art, you know, stuff like, you know, comics with music, and, you know, uh, designer toy stuff for merch, and like, you know, whatever the the stuff that I can do that's cool, and work on whatever comes my way that is interesting to me. So, you know, but at this time. I don't know. I don't feel like I got to go on the road this minute to just freaking get the word out. You know, I'm a, I'm a statesman, uh, not a, you know, not a traditional artist. I really have things to say. Um, and, uh, I don't like to push people around. I like to just put it into the music so that people can, uh, take on my point of view, uh, in an appropriate way and see how it fits for size. And I tend to find that people, get what I'm saying. And, um, you know, I think we need to realize that we feel the same way so that we can change this world for the better. And that's what I'm here to do. Uh, you know, I only ever wanted to make art to try to change the world for the better because art inspired me to do that. And I thought if it inspired me to do that, then I can use it to inspire other people to do that too. That, that makes perfect sense. It's, uh, it's actually why I do what I do. So I, so I understand because yeah, I'm a, I'm a factory worker. Now, I, I'm in pharmaceutical manufacturing, so it's an important job. But this podcast, yep. my weekly radio show, that's what I'm all about. Because uh, I don't play music anymore, but I like to play fun, positive stuff. Uh, my radio show um, that you did the promo for, again, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, it's, oh, it's, it's all about 80s pop, rock 
even some disco, your, you, your dad would cringe over that, but fuck it, I grew up on it. <laughs> but it's hey, all about he the part, part of the so much of the stuff that I love, man. I love Leo Sayers. What can I say? I grew up watching The Muppet Show. Right. You know? <laughs> He's like, I, I love him. Adore him. My dad's like, ugh. Genesis, Jesse? <laughs> are you listening to Genesis? What are you doing? Play Madonna, so. Heresy. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I like it. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I, I have to ask you, to, so, so that we can move past this part, although uh, we're going to kind of move into it as well. What was it like? Because we, we, we all saw the show. It, it was only, what, one season, maybe seven episodes. We saw growing up Twisted. But I'm curious about those early years because your dad always seemed like a faithful guy. He's been with your mom for, God, ever, you know, since the club days. What, what kind of dad was he? He's a great dad. He is somebody who, you know, he had a great dad. Um, you know, uh, you know, he, he gave his dad some shit and we're not going to take a video, but it's wonderful that they've got a wonderful relationship these days. And, and his dad is a wonderful dad. He learned some wonderful things from him down the line of the Snyder men. Um, you know, which is a love of comedy. And uh, they they really pass that on to each other uh, gleefully and happily, um, loving to laugh. And uh, I watched the greatest comedy classics every day. And I believe it's actually why I'm such a great songwriter is because I studied the uh, the patterning of comedians, comedic timing, how you lay out that line so it hits. Right. And that is melody writing. And that's what I really did because my I wanted to be a comedian for so long. And, um, you know, eventually uh, my interest shifted. But um, it was, you know, really just that love of comedy that taught me so much to be the fool, to be the guy who's picking at the system or looking at the things that are odd and, you know, getting into the trouble and trying to get your way out of it. Yeah, that's where we learn the most. And uh, I, I just really like, you know, bless my father uh, for so many things. I mean, you know, not just getting me into comedy, but then later also turning me on to comic books. Um, you know, he uh, had a strong love of comic books and, you know, it's not like my love of comic books. I mean, I went on to another level, as he said many times. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, if not for him, you know, that wouldn't have been introduced to me like that. And he bought me a subscription to Amazing Spider-Man. But, you know, I barely read any of the word balloons when I was like 11 or 12. But eventually a comic book called Savage Dragon um, really sucked me in. Eric Larson, he just loves comic books so much. The creator of that series has been doing it for, for years and years now. He's, he's, a, he's a wonderful creator. And uh, he he loves the medium so much that it really made me love and appreciate the medium through him. I just you know became obsessed with the one book. And then I started working at 7-Eleven. And uh, there was uh, some Marvel and DC, no, not DC books, I guess just Marvel books that were on the stands. And one of them was Deadpool. And I'd heard that Deadpool was a funny comic book. And that was one of the reasons why I enjoyed Savage Dragon, because it had a sense of humor. And uh, I started reading Deadpool in the bathrooms on my break and uh, got into Marvel and uh, eventually became a ridiculous, like, you know, reading 300 comic books a month, like, you know, 150 monthly or miniseries, and then 300 books via graphic novels of whatever the greatest thing of all time was so that I could study and understand the medium that I wanted to know. And, like, I mean, I just, like, 
you know, I'm like, I'm a bit, you know, a little, maybe a little like OCD, Asperger's, ADHD, you know, uh, in certain areas, I'm like, like, like I just study, 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 study. And like, until I know everything that I could possibly know about the thing and, uh, you know, and then try to bend it, mess with it as much as I can. <laughs> See, that's actually great because uh, up until I researched you a little while ago, I, I knew nothing about your uh, your comic book writing at all. I didn't even know you had written a four-part prequel to Strangeland. Uh, I own uh, that movie. I've seen it a billion times. It stinks, that thing, though. It never got to come out. The um, it, it was all written. It was really great. I was really happy with it, uh, and it like and it the weakest part of it was maybe the beginning, because I just <clears throat> to honor the original and kind of remind people of yeah you know, I don't know me and my dad I guess we kind of felt I think at the time that maybe it would be good to like sort of remind them the initial aesthetic of Strangeland so a couple people at the time were like well this is just copying the Strangeland and I'm like well yeah we were just kind of trying to introduce the people the concept if people didn't know it um, but. Um, but we shouldn't have done that. I want to actually rewrite the rewrite the opening because I had an alternate opening that was a little bit different of him building the thing. But then as it goes, that miniseries is dope. It's really, really good. And it, there's so many amazing D. Snyder diatribes. Like I, I just like I loved listening to him say awesome things because he's got such a great voice. I've always loved his voice. So when I was writing the script, I just couldn't help but like, mm, like chewing popcorn as I was trying to like pull from scouring the internet, uh, you know, searching for different quotes, trying to read different things, get a hold of uh, you know different people to pull from and create these these blocks of intellect that just demonstrated what a intelligent horror Cap Carlton Hendricks was, what Captain Howdy was to really just give him power through his words and mind. And man, by the fourth issue, I was just dropping so many powerful pieces of words from other people, you know, but just collecting them and putting them together through his sick mouth. And it was so good. I loved doing it. And then uh, when uh, Fangoria Comics went under and like, all, you know, me and my buddies, um, you know, Mark Kidwell and other people who were working on stuff at the time, uh, you know, we were all just kind of shit out of luck. Uh, you know, everything kind of stopped and uh we still have a lot of art and we still have scripts and we still have whatever scott lacina our editor i think he said uh the fourth issue was near done except needed to be colored i'm actually looking to see if we can i think we have the rights to it but i think i'm at least going to do a, a printing of the first and second issue because the second issue is freaking done i have it as a pdf in my freaking mailbox oh, wow. and if i can do on demand with somebody i'm just gonna print it because i know there's a ton of people who would love to read it and i would love so much i would love people to read it well fans of the show or, or, or the film rather and of, and of course the song off that classic 84 stay hungry they're, they're going to want to see it anyway uh when yeah, you, when, when so you release it <laughs> shoot me an email because i'll go buy the damn thing oh well i'll send it to you brother <laughs> oh, I mean, don't, seriously, don't do that. I'll, I'll be on cloud nine. <laughs> I think, like I said, all I have to do is find the PDF and I'll get it over to you. But uh, yeah, it's it was some great it was some great stuff. You know, it's called Strangeland Seven Sins because the the premise of the the story was that um he 
is his initial pulling of his victims is from the body modification community. And right. these pillars of the body modification community, when they realize what he's doing, they basically think it's bad for business and this is going to get us shut down. But they're really not exactly the best people. And they like go after him, you know, to take him out, you know, to kind of take care of their own business, kind of street justice of their own. And um, and there's seven of them, you know, basically like, you know, the leader and his assistant and like the bitch who runs the place and like all these different people who get howdy and, you know, really just take the crap out of him. The first issue just ends with them beating the shit out of him pretty, pretty darn good. And like, you know, really, really really good <laughs> and because it's because it's all a comeback for him of not giving a shit about pain broken bones no problem shamanistic breathing baby and you know like the the real part of this pain it's funny i've really come to understand this so much too afterwards because i've like gotten into tattooing later i always wanted tattoos i just like was uh you know I'm an artist. So like, I was really like hesitant. I, I wanted to get the right people to do the right thing. So it took a minute before I trusted anybody to put any ink on my skin. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, there's a pain, you know, you can learn so much from pain. I mean, a tattoo is a really interesting experience. Um, because it's like, you know, we, we, we recoil at so many things, like it's such a big deal. And then, you know, you get a tattoo and you're sitting there kind of going like, man, I'm a big baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's funny because I got my first tattoo the day before I left for AIT, uh, Advanced Individual uh, Individual Training, uh, in San Antonio, Port Sam Houston, Texas, because um, I was a combat medic in the Army for uh, seven years. And I got, uh, I mean, it was Yosemite Sam, because even at 18, I was thinking, do I want to explain to my children and grandchildren, and I had no kids, do I want to explain to them that I thought death was cool and that's why I have a Grim Reaper on my arm? You know, so, I, I, you know, somebody Sam, because he was my favorite Looney Tune back in the day. And, dude, I passed out. It was funny. Because the, uh, the tattoo artist, he he drew, like, the outline of his hat, his mustache. I passed out my first tattoo. What's that? I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I, I didn't even know I passed out. I was told I, I, I was I, passing I, out. <laughs> I really wanted to be able to say I did not pass out. But, you know, and my friend Mike is one of my best friends, you know, so he he told me afterwards, he was just like, you know, there's nothing to be embarrassed of, brother. Like, it's when people experience this for the first time, their body doesn't know what to do. Uh, it's and, a shock uh, to the and, system. Yeah, it's just a shock to your system. And it's, it really has very little to do with how manly you are, uh, your your system goes nuts. And if you haven't had enough juice that day or, you know, any other little bit of factor, you're just going to go and be out. Oh, absolutely. My tattoo like guy looked at me and told me I was passing out. He said, you're passing out. Because I remember this vividly. Yeah, that's, yeah, Mike said that to me too. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm good, man. He said, yes, you are. Watch. And he counted down from 10. And from 10, the last thing I heard was seven. <laughs> and apparently in there Mike wasn't Mike, Mike wasn't so dramatic. He was like he was like, How you doing, man? You think you're gonna pass out? And I was like, No man, I feel 
But it's, it's the funniest thing. But, you know, this guy told me, because he was tatted head to toe, and he said, look, the biggest biker dudes in the world pass out. I passed out. It's okay. And I've only got five, and none of them are great. But I never passed out again. The only other time yeah, I, mean, I ever passed out that was, was just my first, the first piercing. Time. And I didn't pass out when I got the tattoo of, uh, you know, I, my, I got a tattoo for my ex-wife uh, from my wedding band. And that was my first tattoo I got. It was a small tattoo. I didn't pass out from that. You know, my first tattoo was a significant one. It was around my wrist. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, you, my body started like filling with things and, and I went, it was that my first, no, no, it was my first, which was my first after that. Yeah. Yeah. It was Logan's tattoo for my daughter, Logan. So, yeah. So I got that tattoo and I, and I was out, out during the outline. <laughs> Isn't that the worst during the outline? <laughs> yeah. My daughter wants one, and I keep telling her, because she said, people just say it feels like a sunburn. I tell her, uh, no, it feels like someone's taking a fucking knife and scraping your skin. That's what it feels like. Dude, yeah, and, and think, well, think about this. They outlined my wrist. It was like somebody was cutting my wrist. It really felt very much like that. Oh, and, um, and terrifying. Yeah, it, it, yeah, so, and it was like this very firm vibration just kind of going down the line of my wrist. So it was like sort of like, and my body just got real flustered and, um, you know, and I felt all right. But then I think just like I was overwhelmed by sort of like heat and reaction in my body. And I went out, I think just for like kind of two seconds kind of thing. But he was like, yeah, you just passed out. And I was like, I did. <laughs> you know? I'm That's like, great. And then I was like, motherfucker. I'm like, I'm not effing. No, that's great because my, my buddy said for me it was a minute and a half. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just enjoying the talk. It's so funny. You're all good. What'd you say? I said, my buddy said for me it was a minute and a half, but I woke up during that minute and a half, but it was a minute and a half till I was back to me. But during that minute and a half, I was like, no, stop. I'm good. Just leave it the way it is. I'm getting ready. I've already done basic combat training in the Army. You know, between my junior and senior year, I'm getting ready to go learn how to, you know, save lives. <laughs> I'm pussing out over a needle. I've got to use Everybody has <laughs> that thought, man. Everybody has that thought. I mean, it's not every tattoo that you have that thought. But if you're somebody who has gotten a lot of tattoos, you have had that thought. My, I didn't realize I had so many muscles that were, like, not really right in my chest. And um, I was losing my fucking mind when I was getting the iron fist dragon on my chest. I mean, so many times that I think like, man, I gotta, I gotta fucking end this, this like, Whoa, no way. This is killing me. And I, I had no idea at the time that I had all these muscle issues that were going on. And that was what was exacerbating the, um, the experience, but, um, it was intense. And I just kept going, dude, it's it's a third of the way done. You can do this. Hang in there. It's not going to be like this the whole time. But it was resonating through my entire body. It was the most so the most excruciating torture of my life. It was just ongoing, powerful pain. And I I got through it, man. I mean, talk about a lesson and like what you can get through. And you know, and then other tattoos like getting my family crest was a dream. 
was like all good. You know, a couple pieces of it were like a little painful. I never thought twice about like running out of the room. <laughs> See, that's great. I got the Cowboys logo because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan on my, uh, on my right leg on the outside, you know, down uh, between my knee and my ankle. That's the worst one for me. You know, I, I figured I'd have passed out from that one because as I look back, the, the silly Yosemite Sam didn't hurt. I just wasn't ready for it, I guess is the best way to put it, like you were saying earlier. Um, yeah. My daughter wants me to get a tattoo, you know, to symbolize her. And I was mm-hmm. thinking chest. But now I'm thinking, hell no, Jesse Blaze says that shit hurts. <laughs> oh, well, you know, my my muscles underneath my skin, and I'm a skinny guy, um, they're, like, I, I, I have some back muscle trouble called uh, you know you generally call it like a upper cross syndrome mm-hmm. and ultimately it like all ties into my chest and so traditionally my muscles in my chest are just they're getting better but they've been very very tight so at the time that I was doing it I hadn't like worked on them at all and like I wasn't feeling it in my chest my chest was kind of numb I was feeling it in my back so I never realized that the problem was there until oh, wow. somebody started putting a needle into my chest and like, and is like vibrating these muscles that are actually very sore that I didn't realize were like super sore and tender. So for me in particular, it was a very weird experience because other people like my sister's gotten her chest tattoo, stuff like that. And everybody else's experience was very different than mine. It was because of what I have going on in my chest. So you might have a better scenario there. That God, was, I hope that so. Was I've got this whole idea. I call her Ladybug. Her middle name is Rose. So I figured, it, I mean, it's going to look sissy as shit, but I, I want a kind of kind of a <laughs> badass ladybug. If, if you could picture that, yeah, on a rose, I like that. I see that with her name put over his, at her birthday. Put his dots together into a skull. I'm sorry. Say that again. I said, put his dots together into a skull, like Silence of the Lambs and the Moths. Yes, you know something badass, so I can at least man up the fact yeah, that yeah, fucking you rose on my chest. Design that for you. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh God! What was it like doing the show? I was um I was watching it a little bit today, because uh, I, I I do try to research a little bit before I sit down with somebody, um, whether I'm talking about music or movies or TV, whatever. Um, there there was the scene where you were going on to perform with your dad in Atlantic City. Uh, your sister performed a song. Lita Ford was there, and yeah. you kind of got into a, a a thing with a musician because you. You said very plainly, I'm not trying to make it on my dad's name. I want to do this on my own. And this guy said something to to the effect of, you know, you're just a rock star kid, you know, riding his coattails. And it pissed you off. Now, that was the show. Was that accurate or was it staged for television? So let me let me tell you here, because uh, it's so funny. It's always the same uh, you know thing with uh, Corona Twisted. The things that you would suspect we staged were not staged. The things you would you would suspect would happen were staged. Um, that's not generally a problem that I have at all. Um, I'm a real hardworking guy and a really nice, friendly guy who does for other people generally when I can. And um, I don't ever really have any trouble with that other than, I don't know, the occasional asshole on the internet who just tries to say that because... They don't know anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Internet so, guys are my absolute like, favorite. Yeah. I mean, so, like, what's that mean? I don't, I don't really care about that. Um, you know, so, 
you know, otherwise, though, I, I really I mean, that's that's never actually happened to me in life other than on the Internet. So, I mean, with that in mind, I think the the writers saw sort of maybe a comment on the Internet kind of thing and went like, well, you know, can we set it up so we can kind of have you say something about this and like whatever. So and thank you to Momo, the dude from, um, you know, from the band who uh, volunteered to, you know, maybe make himself look a little bad in the name of the thing, but it resolves, you know, positively or whatever else by the, by the end of it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but that was a little bit of like magic, but meanwhile, CPS getting called on us. That was real. And I mean, really complete bullshit. It, it was a completely ridiculous thing, but that was real. That actually happened during the, during the taping. It was, it was insane. We, we were like, are you kidding me? And we're shooting a reality show. This is insane. That's, like, that's crazy, because actually I would have thought that was, uh, you know, there's fucking reality TV for you. No, and my brother did freaking split open his head and need to get stitches so taking apart the stupid trampoline, because my mom very much did want to get rid of the freaking trampoline for a very long time, and if we were going to have a bunch of people over her house, she wanted that ugly thing out of there. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> and my sister really was freaking emotionally compromised. At the time, she was really young, and there was a lot of pressure of all these things. And she, but she loved that thing, and it like affected her. And you know, the, all these things, you know, were very, were very real that were going on. And then there was some other, and that thing with the guy at the, ma- the magician at the magic shop, that absolutely happened. And oh me overprotecting my mom, uh, overprotecting my mom the whole time, that actually happened. That was me overprotecting my mom at the time. <laughs> Excuse me, that's. That's hilarious, and, and I'm glad to get that insight because <laughs> with, with reality TV, you never know. You never know because it's always quote-unquote reality TV. So that's really interesting. So <laughs> thanks for clearing that up for me because I was like, what a fucking dick this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Forgive Momo. He was in on it. He was in on it. No. Oh, no. Momo, I'm sorry. I've people... hated you for years, but I'm over it now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I've always been pretty respected, um, you know, with, with, with few exceptions. And uh, I always defend myself, but I'm not. And, uh, you know, they resolve. So, uh, you know, it's it's all good. And uh, I certainly uh, don't mind uh, having, a, you know, the thing that I learned about reality shows when I was doing all that stuff was um, if it, everybody like spent so much time trying to like grab to the floor to not allow them to depict you in any way. No, don't show me like this. But if you let them show you a way, they have to make you resolve your character. That's the whole storytelling thing. They show you in a way so that they can move that thing to some other place. So if you allow yourself to grow, you just set yourself up to really shine on a on a show because it just allows the audience to move with you and understand you. You know, Jack and Kelly Osborne, I think we could all agree existentially kind of behaved like assholes on uh you know so much of the osborne show but right. we love them because we were going through the journey with them and we were seeing them learning and and so we don't think of them as assholes we think of them as our friends who you know have been learning along with us and it's all good you know and uh i'm sure that they're much more mature and wiser now than they were yesterday oh absolutely and i love i, I love that show with ozzy and jack you know where they tour the world yeah, whatever, tour the country is great <laughs> Oh, it's a new one. Stuff. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any uh, any of the new stuff. But I always enjoyed uh, enjoyed the stuff. And I, you know, it really at the time I didn't like it because I felt like they were representing me, and I I didn't I didn't care for my representation. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good, man. Your dad went up against. 
Congress, okay? I guess the PMRC, your dad rules. You could never be putting the same thing as, yeah, you know, the Prince of I Darkness. Mean, yeah, but I was just, you know, I was just projecting and being like, you know, it was just like a teenager looking at another teenager going like, oh, no. What if people think I'm like this teenager? Gotcha. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and it's funny because I actually know like Jack and uh, and Kelly from like when they were babies. I mean, I haven't met them again since then. You know, so we don't remember each other. But um, you know, on whatever level we have a connection, and you know, but you just think, oh no, if they look bad, I look bad, kind of thing. And uh, the 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 controversy inherent in those things, like. I'm just, I've always been a sensitive kind of guy, and it took me a while to build up my, my armor. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, that wasn't your first foray into uh, reality television, uh, Rock the Cradle. That, that's actually a show I had never even heard of. I never even came across my radar. How did that come about? Because that was uh, Children of Celebrities. Or, or, or musicians. Let's say musicians. I don't want to say celebrities. Musicians. Yeah. Competing. In, uh, yeah, uh... it was basically, a, a, you know, a, an American Idol type thing to see who had inherited their parents, um, you know, genetics or whatever. Um, you know, it, it was it was really interesting. Um, I mean, whoa, what a learning experience for me. At the time, it really tanked me afterwards just because I didn't know what to make of it. But now I, I recognize way more clearly what i was dealing with uh you know from the jump they didn't really expect much from me um you know i think they just really wanted an excuse to put on the we're not going to take it music video and i want to rock music video uh they like made they after like courting me for like six years because the two high up producers really sweet people um they um they um sorry my children are are calling on the other line, and I'm just texting them that uh, I'm going to call them. Call them when I'm done with this interview. Oh, you're um, okay. You're okay. Yeah, um, I love the fact so, that you're a um, dad. So, <laughs> do what you have uh, to do. So, um, so anyway, so they had been courting me for six years, like the busy, busy blondes, and they really got me. They'd seen me. I'd been covered on an episode of Ultrasound, where uh, it was it was about the it was focused on people who were, I guess, following in the footsteps of their father or just children. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a docu-series and they liked me on the show and saw that I was, you know, somebody who had some worth <laughs> of some kind. And I was in their pitch reel from the very beginning. Um, uh, blessed uh, are the two of them for, for uh, seeing that in me. And, um, and they fought for me, but then I ended up having to audition at the very last minute. And I went in with um, my bass player and a guitar and I, sang us acoustic song of mine called one way track that's on that love one cp and um and they you know kind of casually accepted me into the thing but uh, i definitely felt an air of like i was just sort of like you know so they could get some <laughs> some something they were like yeah all right i guess he's handsome enough blah, 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 blah. but they didn't think much of me because i wasn't a singer and all the other people that they had on the show were like singers who had these really great voices or whatever so i went in there and started dominating because I'd been on the road in, you know, playing live music actively for, you know, almost a decade at that point. And all of these other um, people, you know, who really were very talented in various ways, they just didn't have a lot of experience. 
right. um, you know, at all, uh, you know, from uh, Jesse Money and uh, Laura Wood and um, one of my best friends, Landon Brown. I mean, you know, he's had some experience, but still not exactly not this kind of experience like this. Um, and his friend will be sure they both were experienced, but not an live studio audience, your parents and other celebrities watching you uh, in front of you know, millions of people um, doing cover songs and like, you know, playing your parents music. There's a lot of psychological, interesting things going on there. And like, oh, uh, Akiba Burrell, um, MC Hammer's daughter, who was like yeah. my first friend when I got out there. Um, she, what a beautiful voice she has. You know, she's, she's a, you know, one of my favorite types of singers, you know, beautiful, soulful, uh, Aretha Franklin church voice, you know? Right. Uh, and she, she just, you know, she just got nervous. It, you know, nerves affect the voice. And it was, it was a it was a pressure kind of thing. Uh, I've been trained to be a cocky rock star, so that kind of shit doesn't affect me. <laughs> right. You know, I go out and I kick ass, and I was just gonna go have a great fucking time and look great and sound great and have a great time. And, you know, freaking backflips and you know put on a great performance and honor the rock stars of the past and honor music and you know just. I was I was gonna win by being so freaking joyful at what I did that they couldn't say no. Uh, I eventually realized that I just never had a chance because they decided I wasn't the winner from the jump. They wanted me to be the bad guy, so they were trying to make me the bad guy. And my parents were actively fighting the producers on live television, going, "These producers are miscutting my son and making my son look like an asshole." And, and like they're literally saying it on live TV. I can only imagine how aggravated David Goffin and the other production people who were trying to paint the picture of what I was, which was like the Apollo Creed to Crosby Loggins' is, um, uh, you know, uh, Rocky. Rocky, yeah. And Crosby, Crosby and Lucy Walsh, they were the other two who were able to excel because they both had a lot of experience. Um a lot of experience for Lucy playing piano largely. Her getting outside of the piano, that was outside of her comfort zone. She didn't have a lot of experience there. Um, but, you know, she did her best. And she had some great performances. Lucy was great. And, uh, you know, Crosby's Crosby's good. You know, I, I like I, I like Crosby. You know, Crosby doesn't excite me is the thing. You know, I'm more interested in, in kind of Chloe and, and, and some of her more interesting things that she did. Chloe Latanzi, who I really think she had no experience and she found herself, like, you know, really fast on the spot. She did a great job of, like, doing something interesting every week um and um you know uh crosby's like a singer songwriter guy who should be writing his own songs which he is and he does and he has his own stuff you know like i'm down to listen to crosby doing his own tunes watching crosby do a bunch of other people's cover songs i just don't think crosby's heart's in that um and well that makes you know sense. That I, try, makes sense. I try yeah and i tried to put my heart in that while i was doing it and I really felt like I did, and I earned the victory. But they, I think they decided Crosby wins. Uh, I was kind of shocked, um, and uh, and my whole family was shocked, and all my friends were shocked. Every and every person on that, that I've ever run into has sort of told me they were shocked, um, you know. And I, I we were shocked. I mean, like I'm just being honest. We we were all shocked. Uh, we were like, really? Okay. See, all I'm right, going to have cool. to find this yeah. show so that I can watch it because that's that's the one thing that uh. Uh, came across my radar on, on doing a little bit of research today that I'm like, what the fuck? How did I not see this? Because I was all over Rockstar at Excess. I was all over Rockstar Supernova. 
I, I picked those winners day one. I was like, this guy is going to win, and this guy's going to win. You know, so I, I probably would have chose you. Uh, if well, no it was reason. funny, man. <laughs> In Canada, they got the show like six months later. So, like, after my first stream of You Were Robbed came the Canadian stream of You Were Robbed. <laughs> you know, because I, I mean, for me, the only reason why like it still sticks in my craw is because they wouldn't let us play our own music. And the the reward for winning the show was you got to play your own song. And they I was all queued up to play Juggernaut on stage for, you know, for a live audience on TV. You know, it just I really felt like I earned that. And I'm a songwriter, man. That. Your step between a rock and a hard place And you ain't getting out without messing your face Stick around for a while, have a nice pace If you like it, you're in the right place something to me to to be able to show my words to people and not be singing other people's shit you know that and and so you know it was just it it really it hurt me that i didn't get to play my song and i begged them actually to let us both play our own original song on the last episode and they wanted to make it just whoever won and it was so so messed up that they did that yeah that's that that sucks because i you know, I remember my Bards days, and we wrote our own stuff, too. And, you know, Bards, it's all about if you keep people coming to buy a drinks on a dance floor, they don't give a shit about your original music, but you pour your heart into that stuff. You yeah. know, you spend hours writing and rehearsing your music. It takes you 10 minutes, 20 minutes to learn a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to learn somebody else's stuff. Especially for me, man, I've been doing this a long time. I'm like, you know, I was just like, you know, they, they brought in a vocal coach for the people after week two because and that was me because the other people couldn't sing. But it was huge I, that the vocal coach came in because um, I learned, I got, I grew so what so much. Liz Lewis, holy crap, she was amazing. You know, like, uh, like you know, it was funny because like, you know, one of the producers were like on the DL, they were like, listen, you know, I know you saw last week that. That people there were a little bit of nerves going on and and people were a little pitchy 
Um, you know, and uh, they decided to bring in a you know, vocal coach to help some of, you know, some of them, you know, with that. And, uh, you know, it wasn't because of you. And I kind of went in there a little like, all right, cool, because I didn't have a good experience with a previous vocal coach who kind of told me a lot of diminishing things, basically told me that I didn't have a high voice. And I was always trying to push for more um, and didn't maybe have the best voice at that time. I was getting better, but it, I was not pitchy. You know, I was always like in key. I just like was was a little, um, you know, just a little kind of not in control of some shrillness here, there. But I mean, I would use that for my, you know, for the rockness. So it was a good thing for a while, but I wanted to be able to have a better control of all my higher range. And Liz Lewis just like blew me up with so much knowledge in such a short period of time. I was so grateful for those seven weeks. And then literally I moved back. I found out uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, um, uh, you know, years later, um, she was 10 minutes down the road from me and I took vocal lessons from her for like three years. Um, wow. and, uh, she, she taught me so much and just opened me up like crazy. And I mean, the, the black light district stuff. And I mean, granted, some of my producers helped me as well. Like uh, my, my co-writer and producer, Will Knox, um, uh, he's so brilliant and he's, he's got such a beautiful singing voice as is. So he was able to really help me, uh, get some of the best out of me. Uh, in, a, in a lot of different things, which was wonderful because I always I knew I, I had more in me and, and more and more. And all those people got me to a point where now I, I can I can use all those tools all the time. And it's just sort of like a matter of what I want to sound like. So. Oh, that's great. That's great. tell you a story about a girl named Story and the day that she met me. I was singing in school, acting like a fool. She came down the hall and smiled at me. Now that's around about when my heart melted, when it's love at first sight, you know. So I grabbed a hand, flew off to Neverland, and I still haven't let her go. That sounds like a yes to me. Yeah, she's a story of a different color. She's a story in a different thing. She's a story with a happy ending, and I want that happy ending just for me.
Hello. All right, I've returned. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm so sorry that it's so unprofessional if somebody tried to conduct an interview, but, you know, I like to drink a oh, couple no, of beers while perfect. I'm doing I, this. I, I, and... I, no, I'm sorry, oh, go ahead. Good. I said it worked out perfect because my kids need me. Good, good. And uh, like I said, as a dad, I would never, never stop that. I, what did I, what was it, Twitter, maybe Facebook, I don't know. I saw they're in Florida. Yeah, they're in Florida right now with their mom. They uh, were, um, what do you call it, uh, on vacation that was already planned uh, when this kind of all began. And then they just have extended the vacation because, you know, they're, they're, uh, her parents have a nice home there with a pool and whatever else. So the kids have basically been on vacation and uh, doing schoolwork from uh, down in Florida uh, for the past you know month. Nice, nice. Isn't this, isn't this a crazy time? It is indeed. Uh, I'm really trying to uh, think differently. My uh, friends and I have an art collective that uh, we've created called The Next Invention because we think it's time for some. I uh, I don't disagree. I'll tell you what. Um, no, no, I just moved to North Carolina from New York a little over a year ago. And there's oh, cool. so much I miss about New York. But I hate New York, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, man. That makes total sense. Yeah, I'm a Long Island boy. I enjoy escaping New York to get back home to Long Island. You know, right now I'm in New Jersey um, and uh, hanging out with my girl. And uh, you know, it's uh, interesting. I'm, I'm doing trying to get some things going over here because I got a lot of friends in the music scene over here. And uh, you know, I don't know. I, I got an I got an NY tattooed on the side of my neck. I, it's, there's something about this place. <laughs> See, I was uh, I was way up north. Um... I don't know how familiar with the state you are because most people that are from the New York City, Long Island area don't understand that anything exists above Albany. But Albany was three hours south. Of <laughs> I was up in Watertown uh, where Fort Drum is, 10th Mountain Division. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, and, uh, Very cool. The, uh, the cost yeah, of my living. Baseball. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, my, base, my base player was from Poughkeepsie. Okay, yeah, that's that was south and east. So, so still, you know, that's upstate. We were considered northern New York. You know, you drive through oh, yeah, yeah. north of where I was, and you're hitting the Thousand Islands Bridge. Oh, oh, you're Kennedy. like at the top point. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. You know what? Honestly, I don't think I've ever driven that far up there. It must be beautiful. You you need to check it out. The St. Lawrence River opens up into uh, Lake Ontario. It is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, but the cost of living is outrageous for people that you know, work regular jobs, you know, for, for yeah, lack yeah. of a better term. And New York doesn't want to pay even skilled workers. I was at LPN and was still struggling. Uh, I was a production foreman in a factory and was still uh -huh. struggling. Where I work now, I'm just a schmuck, man. And uh, I'm making more money now in a way lower cost of living. It's like I'm living high on the hog. <laughs> Well, it's crazy, man. I mean, really, like it's it, you know that that has been a, a thing to entertain, you know, as somebody in New York for so long. But you know, I just feel like I can't live like that, you know, just of that idea that like, oh no, it's too expensive here. I'm like, it, it's where I want to live, so the money will come. Sure, sure, I I definitely understand that. Me, I I hate the cold. I hate 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 the cold. <laughs> I cannot it's stress been enough a blustery how much day, I hate okay. the cold. Uh, I don't like shoveling snow. It hurts my back. So, um, 
I brought my daughter down here in December of 2018 to visit some friends. We were going to stay down here for Christmas. And uh, it's the mountains of western North Carolina up on the Tennessee border. And she fell in love and begged me to not go back. And I was like, done fucking deal. <laughs> done deal. Because my family's from Greensboro, North Carolina, and Portsmouth, Virginia. Anyway, we're a southern family. It's just taken me 32 years to get back. Wow. Yeah, I lived up there for That's a long time, and I've only been to the city once. I spent three days in New York City, and I will tell you this. I was hooked. I was like, holy shit, if I knew how to make it here, I would live here. The amount of people drives me insane, but there's always something to do. And that's why I was like, I'm getting tired of having nothing to do. <laughs> you know, I go to work and I work overnights, so I sleep all day of day. I'm in such a small area. There's no 24-hour joints anyway, even before this pandemic hit. But now there's like nothing to do you can't go visit any tourists it's driving me right up the fucking wall yeah no i don't know there's something about new york it's funny when i moved out to los angeles i felt compelled to get a tattoo that said new york somewhere on me um because i never wanted to move there uh i was sort of like pushed out there like after the 2008 you know collapse of the financial system Right. I um, a lot of a lot of voiceover work, which was what I had tended to do to make a lot of my money at the time, um, dried up. So I was the voice of Pizza Hut and GameStop and Cheetos and like all those jobs came to an end at once. Um, and uh, I I needed to do something different. And everybody just had been directing me to Los Angeles for forever. And I finally was like, all right, I'll go. OK, fine. And um and, you know, I love Los Angeles, uh, you know, as I tend to find the reasons to love most places. But uh, as soon as I came back to New York, um, I, I was just so glad to be back. I just I really just love this place. I tell all these people down here, and th these are all country type folk. You know, I'm in the Bible Belt, which is kind of hard for me to get used to because, you know, as well as I do as someone from Long Island. That's New York, and we drop the F-bomb, and we do it a lot. It's the way we talk. Oh, It's yeah. the way we're raised. And between the F-bomb and the oh, GDs, yeah. I get in a lot of tr <laughs> trouble down here. But I tell them all, go to New York <laughs> City at least once. You've got to see it once. It's the most amazing city on the planet. Yeah. And I've been all over the you world. You heard my song. You know, Fuck I grew you. up in the Army, so I've been all over the world. But New York oh, City, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it's great. What's the most interesting place you've been to? Or what's the most what's the most interesting, unexplainable, people generally don't believe me when I tell them, or I've never told anybody because I thought they wouldn't believe me, thing you've seen while traveling all over the world with the military? With the military. Uh, it, it, it's, it's really stupid. <laughs> tell me. Tell it's me. It's really me. stupid. We went to Strasbourg, France. Okay. Because... Um, you know, at the time, you didn't need a passport to cross into different countries. We went to a McDonald's, and that McDonald's put mayonnaise on everything. That was weird enough. But when you went in to use the facilities, use the restrooms, you pissed on the wall. On there the was, wall? On the wall. There was a drain on the floor, like a little half pipe. <laughs> you pissed on the wall and let it drain into the floor. Nice. That's the craziest well, thing I'd ever seen in my life. Also, well, I got to visit Neuschwanstein Castle, you know, which is what Disney <laughs> no, that's 
thing. Oh, damn it, I didn't hear you. <laughs> oh, I said, well, that's not the most exciting thing I've ever heard about. No offense, Nate. I'm looking for like, I'm looking for like Foo Fighters and shit. No, I wasn't allowed to go to concerts when I was a kid. And um, when I lived in Germany. No, I, no I mean giants and fairies and lights in the sky, not the Foo Fighters. That's not incredible. <laughs> I, I have no. I want Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and pterodactyls <laughs> and things like that. No, I, but I did see Cinderella's Castle and I did visit Arnold Schwarzenegger's birthplace. Oh, no, we're getting too mundane here. <laughs> I, I, want, I want stories of the center of the earth. Cheese that looks like Jesus. <laughs> no, there's nothing that cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, bummer. Loads of great architecture, though. <laughs> it, it's really well, that's a mundane a place unless you're going to concerts and shit. You know? And I was too little then. Yeah. But no, I, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm looking at my... Uh, uh, excuse me while I bend over and pick my stuff up off the floor because my desk is crowded. I'm looking at the notes that I made, and I believe I've covered really everything I wanted to cover. I want to get a little bit more into your music career. Now, you did say, man, I didn't realize you'd been involved with music that long until I was re-watching that, that reality show today, and you said you'd been at it for a decade then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like, I'm like 18 years or going on my 19th year. That's amazing. So you have another album coming out May 1st. I mean, and that's not to mention, I mean, I've been in bands since I was 13 or whatever. I just wasn't, um, I wasn't like super proud of my early things and I like didn't want anybody to see it. So I didn't start playing out until I was like, I don't know, 17, 18 or 19. And when I'm 37 now. So 37, that's at least 17 years plus oh, 19. I, I, I don't yeah. math. I talk. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so, so yeah. So like almost, almost 20 years, depending on how you're counting of like, since I started writing things like juggernaut and recording and producing these things and getting them out and, you know, one after another. And I mean, it's crazy because I work way faster, like writing wise and lyrically and melody wise than I do producing the stuff. So I'm sitting on a gold mine of just beautiful stuff. It used to be the best stuff I'd ever written. And then it became very quickly the best stuff I'd ever heard. Um, you know, that like, you know, just, and I mean, it's just, it's all potential because it's all in how it executes, you know, how it gets executed if, if it can be, you know, one of the best things, but as just melodic hymns, you know, I've, 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 I, it's weird, man. I, I write intuitively now. I, I barely have any part in it and things just fly out of me and then I'm like flabbergasted by how good it is and I didn't really lift any weight or anything. It's very strange, but I've heard other people who do this at a high level talk about it in those terms and I, you know, it's like, I, I just accept it, but I mean, I can't wait. And I, 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 I believe, you know, I progressed and people will see my progression if they, you know, get into my, my uh, catalog. But I also believe I'm very consistent and I've always had uh, something to say and I've always been having fun. And if you're not, don't take yourself too seriously and like a lot of different kinds of music like I do, you'll really find a lot of things to like, uh, even if sometimes you find that you know, there's something that you don't care for because it's not really your cup of tea. I tend to kind of jump around and like to do a lot of things and play in a lot of, um, you know, ball pits. But um, 
I have so much more to offer and I really just so wish to get it off my chest because so many of the things in the writing of them have taught me and you know the the words and the meaning that I see inherent in in what I'm sitting on I, there's so much to say to people and so many things I think people need to hear and I I really want to get the messages out well I, I you know I think that's really important I've only got one thing like that that I've ever written you know, for me personally, that I feel that way about. I wish we could have recorded it, but egos got in the way of egos. <laughs> yeah, we were a fucking. Oh, that for Christ's sake. That happens. Yeah, that stinks. It, it sucks, and now those days are behind me. But you know, I've got the lyrics, so whoever knows, you know, who knows what might happen someday. Um, hey, one day. What was that? I said one day. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, here's hoping. I'm not dead yet, right? <laughs> that's right. That's what that's what Odin says at the end of our first issue of King of Kings. I'm not dead yet. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I I gotta say, uh, ha- having talked to you for this time, it's weird how there's times you sound like you, but there's times I hear your dad. That's fucking brilliant. Nobody hears my dad when I talk. They hear my grandfather. You want to know why that is? Uh, because, I would love to. Because I'm a mimic. It's why I'm really good at, <laughs> as a voice as a voiceover actor, and I admire my dad. I you know I've just worshipped him since I was a little kid. I just I just think he's the greatest, and um, and I love listening to him on the radio. And uh, oh, House and of Hair is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, well, he did a show before that called The Metal Nation, which I used to always go to sleep, listen to, do once a week. It was great. You know, got me into so many awesome bands. And um, I, uh, I just really, you know, in so many ways, modeled myself after him um, because I just admire the man so much. I think he has so much to offer. I think he's one of the most charming people on the planet. Uh, I think he's one of the most level-headed people on the planet. Uh, I think he's fundamentally good and decent. And I think that he's um, strong enough and wise enough to stand up for what he believes in, both in song and art. And for real, when it counts, like, you know, when he fought the PMRC and that, you know, that that the most most wonderful thing. He did that on my birthday. And I'm so grateful that uh, he realized that 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 was for the greater good. And I, you know, I believe in the greater good. And, uh, you know, and, and the, I could sacrifice a birthday so you can go fight for the greater good dad. That means something to me. That was a birthday present for me. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I, I really didn't want to make this a show about your dad because I'm, you know, I, I'm really interested in you. And I hope that came across through this whole thing. But uh, oh, you could I, I do have one request. Sure. After the multitude of requests I've sent you over <laughs> this week. You're really pushing it now. Dude. I know. Bushy's a dick. <laughs> I want you to go to your dad and ask him and uh, I don't know, put it on social media, just tag me or something. Ask him if he remembers doing a television spot. It had to have been around 84, 85 because I was still in Germany. There was a a, a TV station for all of us Americans overseas because everything, there was no cable yet. Uh You know, so everything was German television, but we had one channel. It was Armed Forces Radio and Television Services. Uh, oh, yeah. He had done a spot for uh, AFN, which was Armed Forces Network. It was a radio station, but he was doing a television spot. Um, 
just say something about, uh, hey, this is D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. If you like blah, 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 heavy metal, especially heavy metal, tune in to... <laughs> just ask me if he remembers doing that spot. I would love to know. Cause I, I've actually looked the, all over I YouTube I can tell you to the answer out. to that question, and it is absolutely not. That is what he would say, not verbatim, but any variation of that. The, the, the Metal Nation was his radio show. The tagline was, if it ain't metal, it's crap. That So, so no. Is he going to remember saying, especially the metal? No, absolutely not. Of course, he's gonna, I mean, he's going to be like, of course I said that. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't, rem- I don't recall specifically saying that, but I said that all the time, and I still say that now. Oh, that sucks, because I could, I could even find, uh, there was a stupid radio show. It was... Somewhere and he does a lot of that. You know, he's always doing that kind of stuff too. So he does so many of those things. Uh, I cannot. That I makes cannot sense. And especially that, that's after Stay Hungry broke, so that makes sense. He's always been a big supporter of the the metal community because he is a metalhead himself. He, you know, he 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 believes in not being sort of a a rock star outside <laughs> of being a metalhead first. You know, he he is a fan of metal music of heavy music and that really means something to him and uh you know so he he really always has tried to promote the heavy rock everywhere he goes um you know just without fail i mean he was the one who introduced heavy metal mania to um uh to mtv which became headbangers ball but heavy metal mania was his idea he was like metal should have its own slot you know, that was because he really believes in that. And, and he pushed for it. And he was the first, you know, the VJ who was doing the thing. And then he was getting overexposed at the time. So he asked them for bread or he had to go. And they were like, you can go. And they rebranded. And then that was it. But he originated that whole concept for his love of metal, man. And, I mean, he literally put out an album called For the, the Love of Metal. metal just oh. recently. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> he means it. He really, he really means it. He, he, loves, he loves great heavy metal. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, on a typical day, because uh, you mentioned Rage, uh, Offspring, Manson, but on a typical day, what, what what would your playlist be like? And do you listen to music all the time? Because I'm I'm a metalhead, but I love everything. Uh, you know, Kiss is yeah. my all time favorite band. Uh, Twisted Sisters number two, because uh, I love the '80s stuff. I got into Kiss in the '80s for fuck's sake. I am a punk rocker at heart. Um, really simple melodies um, and approach is kind of like my heart and soul. Okay. But then outside of that, I love everything. Um, you know, I just like, you know, punk rock tends not to take itself so seriously. Punk rock tends to be willing to fly in the face of your expectations in various ways, approach difficult subjects. You know, like I love bands like Anti-Flag and, you know, stuff like that, you know. I, I I like, you know, because of the way they were doing it, they were able to get away with more. And I really like being able to get away with things intellectually and like what I'm doing, uh, you know, as a as a writer. So punk rock is my heart. But then I love, you know, I love hard rock. I love industrial. You know, I, I, I'm not like a huge, like super, super heavy metal fan, like, you know, death metal, stuff like that. But I really do love a lot of different metal bands and a lot of hardcore bands. You know, I, it's really generally it's like I don't love every country band, but I love plenty of country bands. Sure. I don't love every gospel band, but I'll listen to plenty of gospel bands. Um, you know, it's it's really just a matter of like who we're talking about. Yeah, and then when you. I got 
when I was younger, I was really just into upbeat shit. Like I used to do a radio show that uh, was the radio blaze with no ballad interruptions. I didn't like slow songs. And uh, so I would listen to anything generally if it was upbeat and, you know, had some oh, sort of Oh, come on. Every bad boy has a soft side. <laughs> no, I didn't. I hated writing. Lo- I, like, like, actually, it's funny. I mean, I, when I was a little kid, I wrote some love songs. But generally speaking, I didn't write a lot of love songs because I didn't think that that was as important as writing about freedom and writing about intellectual sort of concepts of, uh, and things like that. So I like I, I didn't I didn't listen to that stuff until. I got older and really, I think the first record that really broke me, broke me was uh, Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. And that record opened me up and I was, I was really exhausted and I put it on. It was recommended on the Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. And I was just decided that like, even though I didn't like certain things, I was just going to study a lot of different music because I wanted to know more. So I started going down the list of the top 500 records of all time. And um, the previous record that I'd listened to, I really didn't care for. And uh, it was like from the same era and I had no expectations for this thing. And it came on and I just like every care in the world just melted away. And I, I was I fell in love. It was so beautiful. And, uh, you know, and that and that really just like changed my whole perspective on light music or light rock or hippie rock or anything. And, and that was it. I, like the, like the, the barrier to slower music opened up and now I just generally like and listen to anything. That's and, awesome. uh, but I, but I'm always actually really listening to the people who are like pushing the envelope in ways. Like I really love Diane Ford. Uh, I think they're super freaking dope. Uh, when I heard that song, um, fatty boom, boom, if you've never heard fatty boom, boom by Diane Ford, go listen to that. It is just so interesting. It's so neat. I'll definitely uh, go check it out. So raw and cool. Um, and then, like you know, somebody like uh, Bob, um, who uh, is in the hip hip hop world, uh, he is really talented. What a great lyricist and melody writer and producer. He he is seriously next level. Has some some just brilliant things that are coming out of him at the moment. And is there's it, so many. Is, I have to ask you a question then, uh, uh, Jesse, because I love old school rap. I yeah. love it. NWA, Ice T, Public Enemy, you know, Scarface, Ghetto Boys. I love that shit. I love the yeah, goofy yeah. shit, though, you know, as well. Tone Loke, MC Hammer, you know, yeah. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I love that. I, I You're a little like old. Rap used to you have something to say. I had like. I said, you're a little older than me, so you got raised on, like, the really great, like, rap. I kind of, I'm, like, into, like, DMX and 50 Cent and, you know, Eminem. I like like DMX. I like 50. Uh, I like Eminem's first three albums. Uh, Rakim. um, um, There's, like, like some of those hardcore rap guys. Like, that's a lot of my bread and butter. And then there's lots of weird rap bands. Like, Rage Against Machine is my favorite band of all time. I mean, they're a rap band. Um, and a lot of rap rock bands that I, I really like that love. first album they did. Yeah, I actually do. I, I've been doing a lot more rapping on my on my records now. I was I held myself back from doing it for a while. I used to sing a lot of my things that were kind of raps. Um, but uh, I finally just like was like, fuck this, man. That's me. I, I, I love that shit. Like it's and it comes out of me really easy. Like Dude, and I do it. Who gives stuff. a fuck? I love Vanilla Ice. I don't give a shit. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's like that. It's all about the execution, and like, and and you know, I just I did a few songs because I was I was feeling it, and like, well, really, I got asked to do a song called Knockout for this. Um, uh, well, it was for a show that was about 
like having one opportunity to, um, you know, in the boxing world. And so I wrote this, uh, you know, kind of very eight mile ish kind of thing. I mean, I wasn't trying to like, you know, copy that. Um, but I mean, it was just a very simple thing. I wrote this hook, you know, called I need a knockout, you know, like that basically the idea of he needs a knockout, you know, like the only way to win is to get a knockout now, you know, like you're not going to points, you know, so that was the, the premise of the song. You're not going to win on points. You need a knockout. And, um, and, and I, it was just the nature of the show. I just rapped for it as just sort of a demonstration. But when I did it, it just, it felt so right. And it was a mix of things, you know, and that was just one more tool from all the different types of music that I enjoy. And I was just like, dude, you don't hold yourself back from using any other tool in the trade except rap because you feel like it's like cultural appropriation or something. And you're like that. If you could do it, do it. I was like, I was like, screw that shit, man. It's like and for me, it's just it's just it's so additive when you can, you know, have that in the mix. Sure. Among all the other things, it's it's just it's one more piece to tell a story even better and to say more things to be able to say more about a thing. So I and you know, he, it even reached it. more people. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, like uh, our this is going to be like picked up by a couple hip hop things here or there. I think for some of the tracks, it, and I think we'll be picked up by a couple country people for some of the tracks. So I mean, like we've got it. It, it all fits this new record, you know, from. Bartender, carry me home, and and knock out and uh, get uh, get smart, which are all you know very different. You know, one's tour country and tour um, rap songs, but together it's the pre- it's a cohesive sort of piece of uh, Americana. I think you know there's a smorgasbord of shit, and we're all exposed to all of it. Mostly, you know, we can deep dive deep into different things, but in general, we're all being exposed to a lot of different stuff. And it wouldn't be great if we could get all of it in one place in, yes. a, in a way sense, and you know that's how i approach music these days and when it's appropriate uh i rap and when it's appropriate i go blues and when it's appropriate i bring in the soul and when it's appropriate it's poppy and when it's appropriate i fucking yodel you know what whatever makes sense <laughs> oh i want to hear you yodel right now that is the greatest I, thing ever figure it out man I, I mean i haven't practiced yet but like i know I, like if it was appropriate i'd be like fucking practicing that damn yodel until it was there <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well no because uh like like i said i love rap now when rap first hit uh this was and this is why i have a problem with mumble rap today and, and i hate yeah, I don't really like rap, much of that stuff. but it's like i slow the fuck down i don't know what you're saying but there was a time when I was hearing. I like stuff. Little Dicky. Say again. I said I like Little Dicky. Have you heard him? He's great. No, I haven't. Oh, he's very funny. He's a white guy. I think he's white, and he's just like a nerdy guy, and he just is very like in his raps. He's just very honest and uh, you know, kind of humble and disarming in how honest he's being. Sort of about you know what he, what a different sort of rapper he is, and uh, but that's he's what rap very, used to be. Yeah, it's it's really great. You know, I would like Nas, Nas, Nas in a lot of ways. Um, you know, where where it's it just there's some realness to so many of these things about like what's actually going on. And uh, yeah, he, he's really good. You should check him out. I definitely will because I still I can still vividly, and I've got this on vinyl. I can still remember straight out of Compton, N.W.A. 
Now, I grew up in the Army. My dad has served for 20 years. My grandfather served in the Navy for 29 years. His dad served in the Army Air Corps before there was even a fucking Air Force, you know. So we're a military family. I grew up with all races, all creeds, all religions. Yep. So I had no idea what was going on in the world. I was blinded to it because we were all together. And mm -hmm. the shit that I heard from NWA, I was like, oh, my God, is this really going on? You know, the stuff yeah. I heard from Ice-T, the stuff I heard from Public Enemy, they were saying something, you know, that I understood. I don't understand yeah. I got hoes in different area codes. You know, I don't understand that bullshit. Well, you know, and so once you bullshit. get into the late 90s and above, I got out of it. You know what I've gotten into is country rap. Have you ever heard of Upchurch? That guy's amazing. Oh, yeah, I think I have heard of That dude throws down the most gangster beats, but he's talking about country shit. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know? My, 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 my friend John Dillinger, reversely, is a black dude who does, um, you know, his, his music is very country. He's from South Africa, and, man, he's like, you know, he's just, he's got so much swagger. And he's nowhere near from down south. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's awesome. I, dude, I can't wait to get the album. I, I will be purchasing day one. Um, I, I want to hear your rap. That's going to be so awesome. You don't have to do it now. I can't wait to hear the music. I want to hear this body of work. And that's one of the things, one of the last things I want to talk to you about. This whole download, um, this download generation. Yeah. People download songs. I don't download songs. I buy albums. Um, I prefer physical copies, but I'm all over Google Play and I'm all over iTunes. I buy music. But I buy a whole album and I listen to the whole fucking album. What, what is your thought on that? Because I asked Kenny Olsen this. <laughs> that, that went into a 20-minute answer, so I'm curious to know what your feeling is. What, what do you think of this I mentality mean, of... For me, I'm, I'm selective, you know. Uh, so it's like, you know, I heard Mean Machine by Sugar Ray. I immediately went out and found the album. That song inspired me. I was like, this is great. I like this. This has got a lot of energy. You right. know, and I you know, got, it, got into them from that. Uh, I, you know, heard Fat Lip by Sum 41. I immediately ran out and bought that album. Uh, you know, they had something about them that I liked. You know, other bands... Uh, you know, like, let's say Alice in Chains, who's another love of mine, though. Uh, you know, it was like three songs or so before I went, oh, okay. You know, like, I heard, you know, Man in the Box, and I was like, oh, it's kind of cool, and the stuff from, like, the first album. And then eventually I heard Rooster, and I went, oh, my God. And, you know, and I became a fan of theirs. You know, but, and, and once I once I click with something, like, all it really takes for me is usually, usually it's like a song, or just a series of songs that make me go, wow, they're really consistent, or I kind of like what they have to say, I wonder what else they're saying. And then I like to go, you know, from the beginning, start from season one. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't always start from season one, because I find sometimes that's not the best way to go. But generally, just really uh, explore the catalog, you know, as deeply as I can, if I'm interested, you know, I like make sure I, I've heard every single song that they've ever done and um, see what I can learn from, you know, whoever it might be. But I tend to stop there. I don't really, uh, I'm very anti uh, sort of like the worshiping of other people, but I do believe in the honoring of other people's work, work um, you know, uh, and, and like the contributions that are actually you know, made. And I, I like to hold those things up the most. Uh, certainly I, I know plenty about, you know, a band here or there, but, uh, 
I'm all about the music, man. And I, yes, I love to listen to albums once I find people that I'm, I'm into. And the, the album is, is like, it's a lost art, man. There's not a, you know, not a lot of full albums getting put out and so many individual singles getting put out. And it just makes sense for the artist to do it that way. But I love being able to tell a story in parts and put something okay, together that means God. something more. You, you were making me nervous. Thank God. Go ahead. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> my whole thing is, um, first of all, I hate people that only release singles. And, and I don't hate them personally because that's ridiculous. But it's like I'm trying to capitalize on this one thing that I think is good. And I'm only going to concentrate on this one thing. Um. As an artist, I would think, look, I have busted my ass to put out this body of work. Don't I, as the listener, owe it to you as the artist to purchase the body of work? Because most of the time, you pick any record from any genre anywhere, the single is not the best song. There's something hidden in that that is so much better. Yeah, people take down um, Nickelback all the time, and I'm very quick to defend them that it's really the selection of their singles and their willingness to create songs that are in the vein of some of their previous ones. But, uh, you know, if if you like them like I do, uh, their albums contain really some great pick-me-up rockin' tunes. Oh, dude, Dark Horse (laughs) is one of my favorite records of all time. Yeah, I, I really enjoy those those records. That there's a song that they have called "Flat on the Floor," which yes. is oh man, that I hear and I'm just like yes. Uh, and I, you know, it's not a song that I ever got to hear on the radio. It's a song that I had to hear because I I was interested in them because I liked the meaning behind some of their songs. I mean, you know, they wrote that song "Never Again." That told me everything I needed to know about Chad Kroger. He was a good guy. And he, yeah. was, he was thinking of the right things and trying to send the right messages in his music. So I don't really give a shit what anybody has to say about Nickelback. That guy wrote Never Again. Never Again is a very meaningful song. And oh, it's good stuff. Meaning. They get a lot of shit because of their radio play, which is hilarious because in the 80s, rock and roll and heavy metal dominated the fucking pop radio station. Yeah. You know, but now it's like almost taboo. I don't, I don't know what switched with metalheads. And this is why when I do my radio show, I'm on a heavy metal radio station, and God damn it, I've played Tiffany. I've played Debbie Gibson. I'm playing Divinals next week. You know, I play everything. You know, I play Yeah, Freddy you King. know, the time has come to freaking mix it up, man. I, I keep putting on different things that I never would have listened to that I thought I hated, and I'm like, what? This is the Doobie Brothers? This is pretty cool. You know, like, and things that I just had <laughs> like summarized in my head as being something I wasn't going to like. And then, you know, turns out really kind of cool. Yeah, that's the Grateful Dead for me. I was like, oh, fucking hippie jam band shit. And God, I'm I'm really digging the dead lately. Yeah, exactly, man. Like, see, I got to get into them too. I got to open myself up to a few more of these things. But, you know, Prince never really appealed to me too much. Um, And, uh, but slowly but surely, I really liked Prince on a lot of levels, you know, as like a character. You know, I've always loved Prince. Cool. But I didn't really listen to his stuff. And, you know, just the other day I was watching Purple Rain. And, uh, you know, and I've been getting into his things. Since one day a Prince song came up, came on, and I just started dancing like crazy. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. On some level, I like this. And I got into him. So I just love to study whatever my interests are. Sure. And, uh, you know, anything that other people have.
decided was a worthwhile, you know, experience for them to enjoy, I'm usually down to uh, explore as well. Nice, nice. So, punk rock fan, what do you think of the Dead Kennedys? Um, you know what? Honestly, uh, they were a little bit before my time, and they're one of those slightly older for, older for me punk bands that I never got into. You know, I grew up with Green Day and Offspring and, like, um, you know, Goldfinger and, like, ska bands and, like, No Doubt. And those were all, like, the mainstream, like, punk things. And then MXPX and Bad Religion and, sure. you know, those guys who were, like, from a later thing. My, like, only earlier guys is, like, you know, Little Operation Ivy, which I didn't really love that stuff as much. But, like, I loved Rancid. I loved Tim Armstrong. He was so great. Yeah, Rancid was good. Check out Dead Kennedys. Um, it, it's funny because Jello Biafra, very, very political, you know, but punk in its originality was very political. I mm-hmm. think they've softened it. Green Day actually made it political again when they came out with American Idiot. Mm-hmm. But check out Dead Kennedys. Um, what about the Sex Pistols? Come on, if you got if you like punk, you got to like the Pistols. Uh, yeah, I enjoy the Sex Pistols. I mean, you know, again, the, like like to me, a certain uh, some of these bands were like it's like my dad's bands. You know, I love the Ramones though. You know, I'm a huge Ramones guy. R- Ramones and Motorhead are like my two favorite classic bands, and I kind of. Like Baptized by Fire was meant to be a combination of the Ramones and and Motorhead. I wanted to just be being a really like you know the R A M O N E S Ramones was kind of that was like my inspiration. I, I wanted all our songs to sound like that song. That song is just so rip roaring. Oh, and yeah. if you listen to Baptized by Fire stuff with that in mind, you'll totally understand. You'll 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 see a very clear path of what I was going for. <laughs> I lo- I love that stuff, but that's what I liked about uh, that early punk. Is it was, it was so simple. It was almost the guys couldn't play, but they really could. These guitar players were laying down some heat on those guitars. Maybe not the chord progressions, but the solos were definitely there, and they were really oh, speaking of great stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there there's so many meaningful uh, punk bands, you know, out there who did a lot of things. You know, the Anti Flag was like, you know, my my favorite. Um, you know, one that I got into that was, you know, just a cool political punk band. It's funny, you know, there's so many bands, so it's like so easy to miss one. Sure. I, you know, I just, ah, I never got around to hear them. You know, so I'm sure I, I've heard a Dead Kenny song here, there, whatever. But like, you know, that wasn't the um, the thing of choice for the moment in where I was growing up. But it's, it's great. More you know, hardcore, uh, I guess. Spotify. I'm sorry, say that again. I said, I'm glad you're recommending them, though. Now I got something new to listen to on Spotify next week. Well, yeah, they're 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 a little more hardcore, you know, hardcore punk. Yeah. Um, and Jello definitely is not <laughs> a vocalist, but it works. He's not nearly as good as Johnny Rotten, but it works. It, it works in the concept of the music. I recommend the album Franken Christ. That's okay. my all-time favorite Dead Kennedys album. Songs like Soup is Good Food, basically talking about unions being kicked out because this is during the Reagan era. Uh, unions being kicked out, and uh, you know people on soup lines and things of that na- uh, things of that nature. Um, Stars and stripes of corruption. Uh, MTV get off the air because this was the advent of MV- uh, MTV and music videos and just anything that looked good they were putting on the air. It, it, it's it's really a fun album. Um, it's not dancey pop like uh, Green Day or you know uh, Offspring because because mm-hmm. that's what I consider more like a pop punk kind of thing. Even though I love it, but this this is more 
you know, underground type shit, even though they weren't underground, but they had to, <laughs> they had to create their own record label to get their stuff out. Uh-huh. So I definitely recommend them. I'll go ahead and, uh, and, and let you go, Jesse. I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I, I didn't get to finish earlier. Um, you reached out to me on social media just because I followed your Twitter page. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. I, I thank you so much. Thank you for recording that promo for me. Two of them, actually. I actually, once I listened to the whole thing, I'm like, oh shit, there's there's two in here. So I was able to put two together. Um, but you just took the time out of your day to do that for me, and you don't know me from fucking Adam. So thank you so much. Um, and nothing from nothing. That really shows me. That your dad was a good father because he raised a good man for you to take time out to, you know, do that for some schmuck that just followed you on Twitter. I I, I really appreciate that. And people out I there listening, in, this in the guy idea will answer that you. There are any schmucks? You're not schmucks. There's no schmucks. We're all in this together. Absolutely. But but you know what I mean. Are you, no, I do. I appreciate the the compliment, and then thank you for for recognizing that. And you know, I, I it's nice. Uh, you know, these days, uh, you know, now I hear from people who remember me from the MySpace days. And when I was a VJ on MTV, you know, there were a lot of teenagers who would write to me who were dealing with suicide and things like that. And uh, and that's really where it began for me. Um, and I just very much saw that I was doing good by getting back to people and um, you know caring about their well-being and i've you know been thanked so many times for being supportive and encouraging uh you know at hard times for others and uh, i i like to be able to do do that because it's uh like the most rewarding thing i can do and it's free i don't have to do you know <laughs> i don't have to do anything to do it absolutely and uh it, it makes people like myself feel good you know <laughs> oh, i'm you glad know, you know if nothing else it's like oh holy shit you know i was uh because my, my daughter, she's 14. She has no idea who the hell you are. And she sees me on the phone. She's like, what are you, texting a woman again? <laughs> I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm messaging Jesse Blaze. She's like, who is that? And I said, you know this little band, Twisted Sister? She's like, that guy? I said, no, his son. <laughs> but her eyes got even bigger. She's like, wait. He does music? I said, yeah, listen to this, because I had gone and you know bought your album. Exactly what I said I was buying it. I went and bought it, because that's just the kind of guy I am, the one you had linked me to, which is that, uh, uh, what is it, Only Love, I think it is? Let me pull this up. Loved Once. Loved Once? Yeah. Yeah. So I went and immediately downloaded it, and I'm listening to it, and she's like, that's that guy? Because she gets excited by stuff like that. You know, Michael Sweet <laughs> you know, shook her hand and gave her a hug. Because uh, have you heard of the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo? Uh, no, what's that? That is a it's a podcast expo that happens every year. It got canceled this year because of obvious reasons. Uh, but I was there last year as a podcast. It was my first time as a podcast. I was there two years before that as a fan. So I get that's where I got to sit down with Michael Sweet and I got to sit down with uh, Kenny Olson, you know, and talk with him. But he took the time out to shake her hand just because she was standing on the sidelines. And as he was leaving to get on his shuttle to go to the airport, once this thing was over, I was actually loading my car. And just said, hey, Michael, you know, thanks again for taking the time, blah, blah, blah. He signed you know, signed a couple of my albums, took pictures with me. And uh, he went out of his way to once again walk over to my daughter and shake her hand and say hi. And she just blown away by it. 
know, so so it means some something to people like us that I won't say menial because no matter what job you do, it's fucking important. I don't care if you sweep a damn hallway in a school. It's, it's all important. But it means something to us when somebody who's out there and up there, so to speak, takes the time out of their day to talk to us and interact with us. It really means a lot. Well, it was my pleasure, Nate, truly. And uh, thank you so much for your enthusiasm uh, in my direction and towards my music. And uh, I'm so, uh, so glad that you listened to my pops. <laughs> oh, well, it's a done deal. I mean, I, I like I told you in emails, because, yeah, I, I, I've had to email this guy to get him on the show. I'm a sick motherfucker for life. You, <laughs> you know? Yeah, myself as well. Outstanding. Outstanding. Now, now, there's something I like to do when I close my show. Uh, first of all, I'd like you to promote the name of the album and the release date again. Uh, May 1st, and it's called Jesse Blaze. Come with me if you want to live. That's a great title. That's a great title. And I, of course, I'm going to promote the same thing. Check out Jesse Blaze. Check out his, uh, he does have a Facebook page. He has a Twitter page. Are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm Jesse Blaze 149. All right. Check him out there. The last thing I like to do with my guests is give you an opportunity to give a final thought. Anything that comes to your mind. You know, it's an interesting moment in time, and I would just like to encourage everybody out there that if they have time on their hands to consider taking a step in the direction of your dreams. There's never been less barriers to cross. What are you doing? Learn an instrument. Read some books. Better yourselves. Start a business. You know, there's an opportunity here, and I think we should all really take advantage of it. That's actually pretty deep because we're all sitting around bitching how bored we are. I, I never really looked at it that way. That's outstanding. That's that what is. I'm saying, friend. I encourage you to take advantage of this time. I might have to pick up the guitar again. Damn. Hell yeah, why not? <laughs> what else are you doing? Oh. <laughs> Like I said, man, and, I'm still working. <laughs> and, and you know what? If, if you can't do something for yourself, do something for somebody else. You know, right now I got a guy. He's not big in social media or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking out on his name right now because I'm dyslexic. I, I wish I could remember it. Maybe it'll come to me. But uh, he, he just like showed up out of nowhere, loved the music similar to you. You know, he heard the music from a link that, you know, my, my father posted, which is very, very cool. And um, he's he made me a fan page on Facebook, and he's been sending messages to all of his friends and connecting all these dots for me. And he just like hasn't stopped working for me, and he just keeps going. Well, what else am I gonna do? I'm, I'm like I got time on my hands. I love music. And uh, your dad said that you're somebody who hasn't gotten the recognition he deserves. And, he's, and he said that really clicked for me because I know so many bands that haven't gotten the recognition they deserved, and I hate that. And yes. I, when I heard your music and I thought it was so great, I was like. This guy needs to get the recognition he deserves. And so, I mean, that how touching. So, I mean, if you don't have anything in your own mind to do, go help somebody else because it means a lot to somebody like me to have somebody react like that and, and, and give some time and energy to helping, you know, get them where they need to be. And, and, and I, it's really it's the most wonderful thing. Oh, well, I agree. And that's why I'm playing your music on my radio show. And I, and I got to say, I did something like that. Um, 
I, I, I post on social media, uh, on, on my Facebook page, something about no matter what you need, I'm still working. I'm getting a stupid, ridiculous bonus just for going to work every day because my area is not affected. We're in the mountains. It's a rural area. If you need help, reach out to me. Even if, if, if it's only 10 bucks, reach out to me. I will send it to you. And I actually had somebody do that. Now, it's only one person. But they saw that, and they reached out and said, look, I never do this, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm out of work. My husband's out of work. We need to buy groceries. Are, are, are you for real? And I said, send me your PayPal information. And I sent her 50 bucks. You know, that, that, it doesn't cost a lot to be a good person. That is so sweet, man. I, that, what, what a what a kind kind gesture. And and you know, the, it's it's funny. The, the other day, I I had a friend of mine. I was kind of like looking for you know sort of like advice, assistance, direction. And um and they just like took the situation out of my hands and went, ah, I got it. Here you go. There you go. You're taken care of. You don't got to worry about it anymore. And well, it's it's not anybody can do that, but. You know, there are plenty of people out there who really appreciate it. So I always try to give as much of myself as I can when I can. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for those uh, words of inspiration. And uh, I'm going to close this the way I close my show all the time. Motherfuckers buy vinyl. And I'll see you next time. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it, too. Seems like we've just begun when suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Cause now it's time to go. But hey, I say, well that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon, I know. What the fuck? Is this shit? This is how we say goodbye on the plug. See you next week.